Welcome to Crack in the Vault, where we attempt to unearth some musical gems from Centrum's archive. My name is Peter McCracken, and today, in honor of Hanukkah, we'll be listening to some klezmer music. I had the chance to chat with the Grammy-winning violinist Alicia Spiegels and asked her how she got into this music. I... I went to the work of the Turkle School. My parents sent me there as a kid. So we learned a lot of Yiddish folk songs. And my family would listen to a radio station called WEBD that called itself the station that speaks your language. And it had a variety of immigrant programming in different languages, but it was mostly a Yiddish language language station. And they would play all the kinds of East European, Jewish, Yiddish music that you could hear in the 60s and 70s, everything but klezmer, because the klezmer revival hadn't started yet. And these were all different kinds of music that were cousins to klezmer. So recordings of Yiddish folk songs, cantorial music, um, a lot of klezmery music with bits of klezmer in the background maybe a little klezmer clarinet, but not klezmer per se. So when the, it happened that when the klezmer revival started with, among other people, Andy Statman, the great klezmer clarinetist, uh, my father was working with Andy Statman's wife, Barbara, who was like my father, who is a, a visual artist. And he uh, ran a program at the New York City Public Schools and he hired her to teach. And I got to know Andy Statman when the revival was just starting out. And I heard Andy and cymbal player Walter Zev Feldman, I heard them play the first big Klezmer revival concert at Town Hall in New York City. And man, when I heard this music for the first time, I was just jazzed. (laughs) To mix a metaphor. It sounded like all that Jewish music I loved that I was growing up with, but in virtuoso instrumental form, and I just fell heart and soul for it. I was 16. Then I went to college. I was majoring in neuroscience. I dropped out of school. I went hitchhiking around the Euro- around Europe playing the violin on the streets. I met all kinds of musicians from different cultures. This, this was before anyone coined the, the term world music. Um, I came back, I changed my major to ethnomusicology, and I didn't plan to make a career of it, but when I graduated, I ended up answering an ad in the Village Voice that somebody had placed to form a klezmer band. And the band that formed, including me, ended up being the klezmatics. So it was kind of learn while you earn. Um, I transcribed old recordings with my Moran's tape deck, which you could in those days play at half speed before computers. And I unlocked the secrets that way of Klezmer fiddle play with a few Klezmer 78s that one could get one's hands on in cassette copies. So that's what happened. Thank you. 
You're listening to Alicia play with Patrick Farrell on the accordion, keyboard accordion, uh, from 2016. I asked Alicia how her family celebrates Hanukkah. When my family celebrates Hanukkah, we take out one of our menorahs and uh, gather around every night for eight nights, sing songs, light the candles, say the blessings, uh, and then we sing... Uh, in addition to singing the blessings, we sing some songs in Yiddish that I learned as a child when I went to the Workman Circle School, which was uh, a Yiddishist school, which where kids learn Yiddish instead of Hebrew <laughs> for their Jewish education. And we learned a little Hebrew, but the focus was on Yiddish. And uh, I'm I ended up incorporating those songs into my concert repertoire, and, and now I do them in concert, particularly around Hanukkah time. So I'm doing a Hanukkah show on Thursday, and I'm going to be singing them. And we make latkes and top them. Latkes are fried potato pancakes. Uh, we top them with applesauce and or sour cream. And... Uh, when the kids, when my kids were little, we gave them presents every night, one present for each night. And now that they're older, uh, it's really, that part's really for kids. So maybe they've kind of grown out of that by now. Gelt, gelt is money, so chocolate coins. And they would play dreidel, which is a spinning top, a kind of a gambling game. And uh, you could use those chocolate coins or pennies. And uh, Hanukkah parties. People have parties. So, yeah, I think that sums it up, how it goes on Hanukkah. And giving the gifts, is that a, is that a non-religious custom? Or? Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about that this morning. Hanukkah became a much more important holiday in uh, the United States than it had been in the places where uh, Jews like my great-grandparents had emigrated from. Where Hanukkah was kind of a minor holiday, not one of the high holidays, sort of a commemorating a military victory and not one of the biggies like Yom Kippur or, or Passover, but in the United States where Jewish kids like me in the 1960s saw my non-Jewish friends getting Christmas presents and the holidays fell uh, around the same time, 
in order for the parents to be able to compete and retain the kids' interest in Judaism, uh, it became a gift-giving holiday as well. But for my great-grandparents in, in Russia, there weren't gifts. There was Hanukkah gelt. They would get, you know, some coins, a little money for the kids, and those games and the other stuff, the food and camaraderie. But gifts is really an American thing uh, under the influence of Christmas. And it lasted eight days, and that was the miracle, the miracle of Hanukkah. And then it's commemorated by lighting candles for the night. Alicia first came to Port Townsend in 1996 with Lauren Brody as part of the 20th year of fiddle tunes. The 20th year celebration, we were trying to present a hundred different fiddle styles. Just, I think Alicia was still in the klezmatics at that point. I remember asking her what they were doing, what the klezmatics were up to. Oh, we're doing some gigs with Itzy. Uh, who, who's Itzy? Oh, Itzhak Perlman. <laughs> she explained that he had agreed to make a fundraising movie for PBS. Something about getting back to his roots. So he went to Poland uh, to a klezmer camp, kind of like fiddle tunes, but just based on klezmer music. And in the course of making this movie, he got totally smitten with the music. And now he was doing a bunch of shows with the klezmatics. I said, Alicia, do you think you'd be interested in this gathering? She said, well, maybe. Would you be comfortable sharing his contact info? Let me ask him, she says. So she gets back to me with with a fax number and says, yeah, why don't you fax him something, you know? So I wrote to him and told him what we're doing and I wondered if it might seem intriguing to him and invited him to come. Two weeks later, I get a letter. It was on this beautiful thick linen paper and written on a typewriter explaining how he was pretty much booked out six years in advance and he couldn't make it. <laughs> and his signature was beautiful. Well, here's Alicia and Lauren Brody on, on keyboard accordion from 1996. So we're going to start out with a series of tunes. The first one is, it's called the doina, and it's the klezmer improvisational form, traditional klezmer style. Uh, the next tune is called a hora. It's not the Israeli hora that people are familiar with, but the klezmer hora, which is in kind of a 3-8, and this is a tune that I wrote in, uh, in the style. And then the third one is a song that Lauren's going to sing. And we'd actually like your, uh, some audience participation. So if you'd help us out by singing along, you'll pick up the melody. Uh, and the words, too. Yeah, you'll pick up the words. <laughs> the words are die, 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 die. That's Yiddish for die, 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 die. <laughs> and that's the chorus. Hmm? And the verses say, basically, this is delicious borscht, let's get married. <laughs> so, you know, every culture has its priorities. So. 
And then we're going to follow that with uh, an accordion feature called Vivis to Gavain Fa Prohibition, which kind of dates it. Where were you before Prohibition? And that's it. That's what we'll do first. <laughs>
to invite to the stage Maimon Miller and uh, we're going to be doing something called Gassening uh, which is which means street tune and this is a kind of tune this is also in that horror rhythm 
which is my favorite rhythm, so I'm doing three things in it. And uh, this is a tune that was tr is traditionally used to, uh, for wedding processionals to march the family to the synagogue, to march the couple up the aisle, and it's kind of a marching tune, but it's in three, so uh, it's sort of, you should see people trying to march to it. Kind of quick Mama just learned this yesterday, so. We'll see. <laughs> if she was still in touch with Itzhak Perlman. Oh, it's, <laughs> you know, I haven't been in touch with him for a while, but he actually goes to the same synagogue that I go to. So around high holidays, we say hello to each other in the lobby. <laughs> and um, 
I was just before we started our phone call, I turned on the classical music station here in New York, and there he was talking about Hanukkah. He has an annual Hanukkah radio program. I'd like to invite up to the stage Alex Epler. Yeah! We're going to be playing some Jewish music.
You're listening to Crack in the Vault on KPTZ, 91.9, Port Townsend.
Alicia Spiegels and Lauren Brody tearing it up. The mighty Cookie Siegelstein first came to Fiddle Tunes in 2001. She's been back a few times since then, most recently with Ferretsky Pass. I used to think she was slumming coming to Fiddle Tunes because of her enormous stature in the classical musical world, but but it's obvious she sincerely believes in the that there's room for and purpose for all kinds of music. That year in 2001, she brought Margot Leverett on clarinet and Don Wieda on accordion and Mark Rubin on bass. And they were killing it. They sounded like this. The long story short is that it's Jewish Eastern European wedding music. That's a very short story for a very long story. Um, it's Turkish, it's uh, Romanian, it's Ukrainian, it's a little, no, I won't even really say it's German, but there's just a lot of stuff in there. Wherever we've been and been kicked out of, we took some music with us, let's just put it that way. And um, what we're going to do, since it is wedding music, and it's gig music, it's not really stage music, we, what we do as stage klezmer musicians, we make kind of medleys. We give you a little bit of the flavor of the Jewish wedding. So we mix and match dances and uh, improvisations, which uh, I won't go into that either. But um, we would never play it like this at a wedding. We would play um, several of one type of dance until the next kind of dance was going to happen. So just so you know, it's not fake what we're doing. It's just kind of a Reader's Digest version. Condensed. So the first thing we're going to do is a little set with a um, Scotch now, which is a, I'm, why am I going to go into this? I'm not going to go, a slow dance going to a fast dance. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, let me have a...
Well, I feel really lucky to be the lone clarinetist at the Fiddle Festival, so I'm going to play my solo now. I've been studying really hard. Okay, I'm going to play a medley of uh, a real traditional medley that we learned from a great clarinetist named Dave Terrace. I didn't learn it from him directly. Maybe Bertram did. He's, I, I got, uh, I came onto the scene a little bit too late, but I learned from, uh, I learned this from some old recordings, except for the doina, which is improvised.
out with uh, another little medley, um, a little Romanian Hora, which is a slow dance in three, going to a, um, another Romanian fantasy. What can I say? I think I said it. Thank you. 
put yourself in, in the Lower East Side in New York City, and you gotta know that the old Jewish bubbies and the young Jewish bubbies and the young Jewish women go shopping sometimes every day to market to see what's fresh at the butcher shop, to see what looks good at the deli, see how much they can argue uh, and get a good price for what's, what's good at the deli. And uh, so you have to imagine a, a, a little bubby walking to the butcher shop and she sees a flasher and he opens his coat. And she says to him, you call that a lining? Actually, the, klezmer, the klezmers, which we are now, okay, here's a quick, quick history since you're sitting down and I have you. Close the doors. <laughs> here's a very quick history of klezmer. Klezmer is a, um, a Yiddish word that is made up of two Hebrew words, clay and zebra, which mean vessel of song or musical instrument. But it was, it was taken in Eastern Europe to mean the, the musicians that played um, this kind of music and wasn't actually assigned to the music until around the 30s when um, some musicologists were, like they would say hillbilly music, you know, or call it hillbilly stuff. So um, that's how klezmer music got its, its term, but it was always used to be mean musicians. And these musicians, like jazz musicians, were not seen in the best of lights of, uh, by families. And a matter of fact, when I uh, book a gig and a bride calls me and says she wants me to the wedding, I require a large deposit because I know people change their minds and have had it happen. So, but in the, in the old world, meaning even maybe 75 to 100 years ago, the klezmers who were hired had to leave a deposit so they would promise they wouldn't steal anything. And Absolutely true. That they would show up. Because these were not six-hour weddings. These were seven-day weddings. And the klezmers were, were uh, responsible for making sure that the wedding ran well, the bride was crying, had to be crying, all the mothers had to be crying. And we talked about this in my class, so I won't do it here. But, oh no, I said I was going to say a short story. That was it. Okay. okay. Well, we're going to play now. <laughs> it looks strange. I know, for the I talk too much. Ready? about all the time we have. Hope you enjoyed it. Happy Hanukkah and stay inside. See you down the road someday, some way. Mm -hmm.